0: Before we get started today, uh, we just have a couple of things we want to talk to you about, like our live chat way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so here's the thing is that an idea we had was that Christmas is really hard for a lot of queer people, and I don't celebrate Christmas, which means that I will be available on christmas to potentially host a live chat for people who will be struggling on that day Uh, we did a little like preliminary social media polling and there was some interest so for three days after today the day that this episode comes out so uh december 17th 18th and 19th there will be a poll up on facebook only asking if you want a live chat i will host it if at least 25 people say that they are interested and uh information about how and where and stuff like that will be posted on socials but again you have to say that you want it so make sure you go over to facebook and uh say yes please uh if that's something that
0: you would be into do you have to have a Facebook account to take part in a in a Facebook poll? I was just gonna I was gonna suggest for people who aren't on Facebook they should shoot us an email.
1: Oh yeah, that's legit. Yeah, if you don't have a Facebook account, you can definitely reach out to us in other ways and say that you are interested in in doing that. A uh, second order of business.
0: This is just a reminder that we now have on our website a page if you would want to uh trade some of your time to do transcriptions for us in exchange for some of our patreon exclusive content you can check that out on our website slash transcriptions because we would love to have transcriptions for stability and would like to do a trade with you for it yay
1: yay yes and last but perhaps most importantly, uh, we would like to thank the Fairies Revenge for your iTunes review and our newest patrons. Uh,
0: we want to say thank you to Sarah, Julia and Laura. 100 points to the house of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> your name, your name on the house cup.
1: Oh, Yeah. All right, so with that. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it humorously yet ruthlessly. I am America's favorite griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray.
0: And I am griffin duch extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter six, Talons and Tea Leaves, in which it's the first day of class. The gang has their first divination class taught by dramatic hippie Professor Turani, who makes a handful of vague prediction and sees the grim, a death omen, in Harry's tea leaves. Everyone's freaked out, but McGonagall tells them that divination is crap, not like the hard science of transfiguration. <laughs> after, <laughs> after lunches, care of magical creatures, taught by our girl Hagrid, who shows them beautiful hippogriffs, which Harry rides bareback, not a euphemism. <laughs> jesse Malfoy didn't pay attention and Buckbeat claws the shit out of him for daring to exalt a beautiful horsey bird the gang visits hagrid who is moping over her shitty first day as a teacher
1: yeah um i feel like we should acknowledge the fact that we look really fabulous <laughs> right
0: now uh, yeah we are we are dressed for yule
1: yes this is our our closest to Yule release, and uh, it's also one of the video-recorded episodes for our $10 and Up patrons, so uh, hi, $10 and Up patrons.
0: I I, I gotta show you my awesome unicorn holiday sweater. It is
1: gorgeous. Uh, Um, Also, it's from Target, and the description on the Target website of that sweater says that it pairs with a variety of bottoms, (laughs) to which I say... (laughs) I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Whatever. Um, queer content writer at the for the Target's website. Cheers to them. Yeah,
1: cheers indeed. Uh, I listeners who are not uh, visually viewing us, I'm wearing more glitter than a drag performance uh, studio. What's the part where you get ready? Anyway, uh, Dressing, lots dra- of glitter. Dressing room? Nailed it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know how to say the words about things.
1: And also a crown. I'm also wearing a crown.
0: It's a very good crown.
1: Thank you. Uh, Anyway, so we're glittery and be unicorned and all that good stuff. And with that, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. How dare you drink when I'm about to try to make you laugh?
0: Oh, yeah, that was a bad idea.
1: (laughs) We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. As troubling reports surface, Hogwarts Board of Governors launches a review uh, and... <laughs> How dare I try to say words when I'm trying to make you
0: laugh?
1: <laughs> okay. As troubling reports surface, Hogwarts Board of Governors launches a review of teaching standards, which is sort of a womp womp because... I I love Hagrid, but she's such a bad
0: teacher. I have a lot in education today. Yeah, me too.
1: All right, we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of the newspaper. Jesse, you start.
0: <clears throat> Malfoy starts off this chapter such... I have written in my notes, drama llama. I don't know if that is an accurate statement, but I'm just like, he's just... He spends most of this chapter swooning or pretending, just like pretending to like make fun of Harry. And I'm like, you are just real extra. Yeah, that's uh, my
1: question of this is like, how much mileage can he honestly get out of this one subject? Like, what's up with the Slytherins? Like, why do they all keep laughing so hard? It's just like not that funny.
0: Maybe Malfoy is really good at physical comedy. Do you think so? I mean, I think the other option is that, like, the Slytherins are easily amused because most of them aren't very bright.
1: (laughs) Fair. That's, I guess, fair. Yeah, I I find, I find his making fun of Harry pretty boring, but the drama of, him getting slashed by Buckbeak and just wailing, it kills me. I'm dying. It makes me just like, I just love you so much. Just go hard, kiddo. You're doing a great job.
0: Especially when he's like in Hagrid's arms, being like fireman carried up to the castle, <laughs> and it's like, he's, it's like what it's, is
1: happening? I know. Oh, it's it's great. All right gonna just come in hot with some praise for the writing here i guess because the time turner setup really excellent super good down to the fact that we have the words there isn't enough time in italics in the book without setting off any red flags like it's really it's really good there was another thing that I was gonna say too that was good writing. What was it? Oh, the animagi. Drop. Okay,
0: yeah, no, I realized that, and it's just it's just so like tucked in there, and you're just like, oh,
1: it's so tucked in that the class is ignoring McGonagall when she's talking about it. Like it is really good. This is really good writing.
0: This is this is a solid chapter. It is. I want to talk about how. Hermione's schedule makes me cry okay like I'm not a morning person so like early classes were never my thing but she has three 9 a.m classes where she's going back to 9 a.m three times that sounds like the worst and I hope she's using this to like sleep in a bit but you know that she's not because she's too driven but like ugh yeah
1: you are correct. That <laughs> sounds so terrible. I I have questions about her schedule, but I have them somewhere else. So we're going to yeah. loop back around. Yeah, this, we can I do think. that. Why does Hagrid walking through the Great Hall swinging a dead polecat make my heart feel so full? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it's just... It's just so... Is self-conscious the word that I want?
1: Self-aware? Self-...
0: So... It's just like... I Maybe mean, unself-conscious. Oh. Like, like Hagrid doesn't care. She's just gonna buy her day just so happy about class, swinging around this dead ferret that's definitely going to Buckbeak <laughs> after <Yeah>. breakfast. <laughs> and probably her pockets are full of dead ferrets. <laughs> and it's just so like...
1: Yeah, no. That body language is kind of exactly how I imagine (laughs) it. It's just like it. Right? It is so. I feel like anybody else walking through the Great Hall like swinging a dead animal, I'd be like, "Ew!" But when it's Hagrid, I'm like,
0: "Ah." Yeah, it's like how a person would like swing an umbrella because you're like, "I'm going to a cool place, and I have my, you know, I don't know." Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, just her her like gushing about being made a teacher it's just like why haven't we made our emoji props yet because i really need my like two rivers of tears <laughs> emoji sticks right yeah. now we
0: we'll have to get on that yeah we'll do it someday Trelawney's classroom is every witchy shop i've ever been in all For better
1: or worse <laughs>
0: <laughs> all Trelawney Tr- needs is like a coexist sticker and some like
1: crystals <laughs> <Yeah>. oh god <laughs> yeah um, and like a bunch of a bunch of buddhas I feel like I'm glad that those aren't mentioned as being there
0: yeah I mean being non-denominational sort of helps so
1: yeah, but I feel like, I don't know, witchy shops are always full of full of Buddhas.
0: Yeah, but... no, oh yeah, witchy shops are always full of the most ridiculous culturally appropriate mishmash of like, quote unquote Eastern, and then quote unquote slash commodifying like stuff from, you know, indigenous cultures. And it's just like, ugh.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't read it, Read tarot in shops is because I'm like, I'm actually not willing to compromise my standards about these things in order to have access to more customers. So
0: yeah, fair.
1: Um, Anyway, before we get to Trelawney, I would like to say how much I love Sir Cadigan. Is that how <laughs> you say his name?
0: Uh, You know, sure. Let's let's go with that.
1: Um, And I want to know who made him and why. Is he a portrait, like, of a person who really existed? Or, like, is he just, like, a painting? And, like, I don't know. I just want to hang out probably with the person who made him. Which, side note, was probably Lewis Carroll. Because this knight is in Through the Looking Glass. Like, 100%. Mm.
0: Wow, it's been a minute since I've read Through the Looking Glass.
1: He's, like, I think when she meets him, he's, like, his whole top half of him is, like, buried in the dirt. And then he just, like, is continually, fall- like, exactly, Sir Cadigan. I don't remember if there's a horse or not. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I like to think about how this incredible character came to be in Hogwarts.
0: Um, Definitely some potentially muggle born or half-blood student was like, so I read Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass and it's very much the Hogwarts aesthetic. We clearly need a painting, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> in the school. And then whoever was headmaster was like, yes, we sure Back do. Back when
1: there was still an arts program at Hogwarts, like in the 70s. But yeah. But there were so many good arts classes in the 70s at Hogwarts. Oh
0: my god. I know it's probably not a thing, but I'm just thinking about like magical velvet paintings.
1: You know, it probably is a thing, though, because, like, that's when the Marauders were at Hogwarts. And, like, if someone wasn't offering at least an extracurricular where you, like, got high and created magical velvet paintings, I feel like Remus and Sirius had their own that they were doing, like, in some secluded classroom.
0: (laughs) This is true. Uh, Definitely not the canon witching school but US witching schools definitely had art classes in the 70s with like magical paint by numbers and magical like velvet paintings absolutely um speaking of Trelawney, uh someone who also practices emerging from the shadows for a dramatic entrance of her in her classroom <laughs> like is is there like a class you take like it's just like emerging from the smoke and the the shadow and it's like
1: um you know what so so i i failed to get my shit together in time to actually write the advertisement for this episode in time for this recording we're gonna have to record it later so i can stick it in but that Something about someone offering a class that Snape and Trelawney had taken together (laughs) about how to have your first day of class is exactly what I was planning on writing my advertisement about. Are your lessons leaving you feeling lackluster? Do you dream of delivering dazzling dramatics in the classroom? Do you ever lie awake at night wishing your students were awash in awe and wonder when you enter the room? Sign up now for Snape and Sybil's stupendous spectacles for stunning students speechless and spice up your stagnant scholarship. <laughs> course meets every Monday at midnight in the depths of the darkest dungeon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, is that acronym just... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> perfect! So perfect! Uh,
1: oh, God. Uh. Um, yeah, me and a thesaurus hung out for a while while <laughs> I was writing this
0: ad. <laughs> I appreciate all of the work that went into that. I, re- I truly, truly do. I'm so glad.
1: <laughs>
0: <All right. sighs> Really, the similarities are shocking. You know,
1: I feel like they're best friends.
0: Oh my god, I hope so.
1: Like, in they, secret. Neither of them would ever admit it.
0: They, I mean, do you think they went to school at the same time? Do you think Trelawney is about, I mean, because we don't really ever get a sense of, like, how old she is. Yeah. I mean, not to say you don't have to go to school together to be friends. JKR. But, because, like, she's, like. Never in the Great Hall. So, like, if her and Snape were hanging out, no one would know but them.
1: Right. That's true. I'm trying to think about how the fact that he, like, interrupted her interview for her job with Dumbledore would play into their potential friendship. And also, she knew who he was when that happened. So, obviously, she knew him. But kind of everyone in this world knows each other. So, like, a lot of questions here. I don't know. Write to us, listeners. Do you have any Trelawney snape friend fix that you can send our way please do we could make one oh for God. the queer blur
0: they just get drunk together i think is really what would absolutely. that absolutely yes <laughs> and laugh about freaking the students out <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's
1: like scheme it's like no, i'm gonna take that line all right oh just a little a little lol at harry saying that he's had a this is year three. He's had enough bad experiences in the Forbidden Forest for a lifetime. I wrote, but oh well, he dies there later.
0: I hate the Forbidden Forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: fuck that place.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, his kids will never listen about not going to the Forbidden Forest. They'll be like, whatever, dad. It's not that bad. Yeah. Um. Hermione gives... Zero fucks about Trelawney. That's my editorial. Wait, okay. no. All right. We'll I, I only have the one. <laughs> that's fine. To... That's fine. Okay. I'll go on to my next point, which is, is Lavender Brown muggle-born? Sure. Because she's the only person besides Harry and Dean who don't know what a Grim is. Mm. Yeah.
1: Let's make and, it
0: canon. And so I'm like, that seems like enough canonical evidence that she is Muggleborn, or maybe a half-blood or whatever so anyway
1: yeah sounds good yeah um i wanted to say that i think that ron's joke about seeing a bowler hat and saying harry's gonna work for the ministry is funny it is i think it's a good joke
0: actually their entire interaction in the class is actually really funny it is it's like you're gonna suffer but you're gonna be happy about it and i'm like hashtag mood i guess yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so McGonagall is like, it doesn't matter that you didn't clap, but why didn't you clap for me means that it totally mattered so much to her. I know.
1: She's like, one time per graduating class, I get to do this reveal. And for the love of God, I want to make it count. And then Trelawney just took that from her, and that was rude.
0: I, that's really the reason McGonagall said all that shit about her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also love why, like, Hermione's sweet teacher's pet Hermione laughs whenever, like... is like, the only person that seemed to laugh when McGonagall made a joke about, like, Trelawney and divinations. And I'm like, she's just such a teacher's pet Hermione. I feel
1: like she... Honestly, I read that as she laughed because she was like, validation, divination is bullshit. Professor McGonagall is on my side.
0: I mean, they're definitely on the same side about that for sure. Yeah.
1: They're going to start a We Hate Trelawney Club. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Okay, so here's the thing that I was thinking about. of what i'm about to say so mm-hmm. if anybody out there wants to make like a gaily prophet bingo one of the things that you should put on the bingo board is me saying so this has nothing to do with harry potter because i'm about to say so my next point has nothing to do with Harry Potter. okay <laughs> but i don't often have opportunities to interface with the word paddock paddock however you pronounce that the place where you keep the animals right sure. uh and I do always want to tell the story of the fact that someone who someone that I know knows, right? There's some removal there. Uh, Named their child Paddock, which I just feel like is the pinnacle of like the weird white people naming their kids stuff of, like, the mid-thousands, it's, like, I feel like Paddock is honestly a step beyond Apple.
0: That's, like,
1: that's, like, meme territory. Right? It's, like, really, why not go all the way to, like, Pigsty? Like, what are you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or you could make it literary and be Pigpen, which I guess is not maybe a great name for a kid, but, like, (laughs) it's from Peanuts. Like, how many Charlie Browns are there in the world? I'm sure a lot.
1: True, it's true.
0: So I think of props to Ron for his slightly mean but very succinct point about Hermione, which is she hates shit that she's not good at. Mm-hmm. Which I guess this is probably an ADHD mood, but there are a lot of things that come easily to me because I'm smart and because in school I felt like there's a I could there's some things where like my ability to do that. Meant that I did well in school in some ways means that now as an adult, I don't, I haven't really built the capacity to like work hard at things that I don't, that I can't, and that I don't immediately pick up and take to. Mm-hmm. And I just really hope that as an adult, Hermione learns how to like work at things she's not good at, or she's going to be a very sad adult. <sighs> yeah. So. It's like those like gifted kids memes where it's like if you were like a gifted kid, you now have depression and it's like, yeah, probably. (laughs) Or if like, you know, you know, anyway, I'll have to pull some of them up, but just like stuff like that where it's like teachers encourage you because you were so smart and now you don't know how to function as an adult because you don't learn some certain skills. Anyway, that's very rambly, but I think you know what I'm getting at.
1: I totally know what you're getting at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel you.
0: I just want to know which muggle-born kid used binder clips to close their monster book. I, like, read that, and I had a very clear image in my brain, and then I'm like, that is really funny, but which one you did? Same. (sighs) There's not
1: not a lot of options, because none of the Slytherins are muggle-born, so... If it wasn't Harry, it was Dean or Lavender, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, unless there are other... I guess I don't know There there are really other... Whatever other Gryffindors are in his grade, I guess. Whatever. You're right. That's all of them. That's all of them. Um, Hermione used tape, which I'm pretty sure she cried about putting tape on a book, on the book's cover. Because <laughs> she would ruin the integrity of the cover, which is a thing that I always feel bad about. So... <laughs> I know that she does too.
1: Fair, it's probably a hardcover though, right? It's a textbook. I feel like you can put tape on a hardcover book without.
0: But then you it. would. I mean, if it's if it's like leather, it's probably fine. But if it's like a like a paper. No, like the, cover... remember,
1: like shine, like textbook covers are like that weird shiny material.
0: Oh yeah, that's true.
1: I think it would be fine. Also, I feel like spello tape probably is like that weird like whatever it is that they use on those like hooks that are super strong and you can hang anything on, but then you just like pull that weird tab at the bottom and they just come off your wall and don't leave any marks behind. Like it's magic tape. If you can't take it off without it ruining whatever it was taping, they're doing a bad job of magic.
0: That's true. I mean, it basically held Ron's wand together for most of his second year. So that's true. (laughs) Poorly. All right, I have a couple more points. I just want to, agree. I agree with Hagrid about hippogriffs seem beautiful and I want to pet one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like reading the description. It's kind of like, they're sort of like giant haughty cats where they're just like, oh, I guess you can pet me. But I have to decide about it first.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school and today we will be starting off with our new teacher profile on professor sybil Trelawney, divination professor for the last like 11 12 12 years
0: something like that
1: she's great she's bad teacher but like i am into her (laughs) uh how nice to see you in the physical world
0: oh my god (laughs) yes so (laughs) just definitely practices that shit. I mean, raise your hand
1: if you think that I should start all of my tarot readings that way.
0: Uh, you should. You (laughs) totally should. I am really into that. (laughs) Uh,
1: Also, sorry, I just have like a couple quotes. I was real quick. Also, Uh, descending into the hustle and bustle of the main school clouds my inner eye. Same. 100% same. That's why I don't go to parties. That's what I'm telling people from now on. Do I want to go to that event with you? I'm sorry, no, it clouds my inner eye.
0: Yeah, no, such a great explanation for her crowd anxiety.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If I went to that, I would have to like do a line of crushed tourmaline. (laughs) I can't handle that. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, God. The acoustics in the Great Hall just... It would just... (laughs) Ugh. I would, like, lose my mind and, like, need, like, noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, totally. Though I do feel like my sound, loud sound threshold is, like, getting lower as I get older. (laughs) Or else I'm just noticing it, that it affects me more. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, no. Shirlani knows how to live her best life here at Hogwarts. Yeah, she does.
1: Yeah, I just I just love her drama.
0: I also love how in the, this is the first day of class and she makes sure to set everyone's expectations of what this class is pretty low, where she's like, yo, if you don't have the gift, there's only so much I can teach you, <laughs> which is such a great excuse to be like, well.
1: But also she's <laughs> right.
0: I mean, she's also right, which is part of the bigger question about, again, why you would even teach divination if there's not necessarily something you can teach the same way you can teach, like, transfigurations or potions, you know? Right,
1: and, like, one of my notes on that is, like, why don't you have to test into this class?
0: Yeah, it's, like, it seems like a weird elective to have, but then it's also, like, how would you how would you test in it just seemed like
1: have you not known that you were psychic since you were a small child no (laughs) okay i have like i mean i feel like there's like a questionnaire like how much do you know about what other people are feeling without them telling you how many ghosts have you seen not relevant in that school maybe but like how frequently do you have a dream of something that then happens the next day? Or like how frequently are you like afraid of something happening that then happens immediately or like worried about a friend and then call them and find out something is wrong with them. Like there's, it would be quite straightforward to just be like answer this questionnaire. If you're above like an 80%, you're probably, you probably have the site and we can like, help you develop that and if you're under that there's probably not a point in you taking this class
0: yeah i guess the other thing they could do is just keep her on retainer and so if there's a kid who comes in and they're like yo mcgonagall i had this dream and it came true like and they can be like you know you need to talk to yeah (laughs) our divination counselor (laughs) right (laughs)
1: Yeah, I guess I just feel like, I feel like it's the same, like, in the real world, where it's, like, anybody can, like, play with tarot cards and, like, read a bunch of books on tarot and, like, have a an understanding of how tarot works. And that doesn't mean that you are, like, actually reading tarot. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: a good part of being like, a, a reader or, like, a medium or whatever is, like, a deeper understanding, not just, like, a surface-level, like, memorizing the textbook understanding. Mm. Um, And I would assume that there's lots of kids who come through Hogwarts who have that to, like, varying degrees. And I feel like that's something that could be, like, an all-ages class. Like, you could work with different – have different kids working on different things within the same class. So even if you only have, like, 12 kids in all of Hogwarts who – have the site or might have the site you could still have like a class that you're teaching right so yeah i think i think she has a role there i just don't think they're doing it right
0: yeah no i mean i i definitely agree that they're that this situation where you have it as like um mandatory elective kind of deal for like several years a thing that it's like right if you don't have these abilities and it's like kind of pointless
1: right and then if you're taking it when you have to take your owls it messes up your gpa which is crap you know i mean not that there really are is a gpa but like you know it's the difference between however many owls and less than that because like you just literally could not do that work like what is the point
0: yeah I have a couple things so one I want to give Professor Trelawney props because she is the only professor who gives a verbal syllabus of what she's going to be covering for the entire week. <laughs> she's yeah. like this section we're going to be doing tea leaves we're going to be doing this stuff in the spring I'm like oh! <laughs> you've like thought about you have like a curriculum like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> the lowest
1: possible, <laughs> <bar>. <laughs> possible <bar. laughs>
0: and like maybe the other professors do this and harry's not paying attention but i was just like oh my god you're actually doing the things correctly
1: I'm like I feel like tears behind my <laughs> eyes,
0: and I can't tell if they're like frustration
1: or like humor or like some terrible combination.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could be a ter it could be a combination. I think of both. it's a combination. Okay, so I I
1: want to do like initiate a Trelawney prediction watch, but I want you to finish like everything that you want to say about her first.
0: I guess my only other thing is. I don't know how I feel about Trelawney starting the kids off with reading tea leaves. That seems like sort of a difficult thing to be starting off people who are like, never done divination before. Especially when, like, Harry notices that there's, like, playing cards. Like, he could be doing, like, symbol interpretation or, like, runes or, like, something, you know?
1: I agree with you. They should really be starting with, like, some book learning, but they really don't do that at Hogwarts. But, like, oh, yeah. honestly, first first semester divination should be, like, here's a list of, like, herbs that you can use to, like, enhance your sight. Here's a list of crystals and what they do. Here is a list of, like, generic symbolism for, like, any sort of interpretation, right? Like, what does it mean when an eagle shows up, regardless of if it's in your crystal ball, your tea leaves, your dreams, you know, whatever, Absolutely, that's what she should be teaching. She should be lecturing and they should be taking notes. But like they don't do that at Hogwarts.
0: Uh Treline does not feel like doing that, and I guess I can't blame her for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um but yeah, part of me's like, oh, if you just would have given a like a day introduction of like, here's all the ways of all the different divination like types, and like, here's this means, and right, like Here is a lot of, you know, common symbols that show up in a lot of different kinds of divination. Um, Hermione would have been so happy if that would have happened.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, (laughs) she's like sort of like working backwards. She's like, find the thing and then like go in the index of your book and look up the thing. But then like you don't even know if it is the thing. Like there's got to be a like Tea Leaves 101 where you learn how to tell which way you should hold the teacup to interpret a you know, shape and stuff like that. It's as always. Like the pedagogy at at Hogwarts is just like throw it in the trash. I touched my glitter eyebrow, and now my hand is covered in glitter. Anyway, oh no! I mean, it's,
0: it's bound to happen. <laughs> um, funny story. I when I was looking up more of about like tea leaf reading, uh, I found an ebook on the like Gutenberg free book archive about reading tea leaves. That has like how to do it and like which way to hold your cup and which way to swirl your tea and which and like the direction to read the tea leaves which trelawney should have at least given them yeah um and it's actually cool because this book does have a list of like symbols and like what they mean and it correlates pretty much to what the kids are saying so i wonder if this is the book that You know, this is very common if this is the same book J.K.R. read when she was like, what does an acorn mean? (laughs) (laughs) So. Anyway, I have have a link of it. Maybe you can put it up on our socials or something.
1: Yeah, put it in the show notes. (sighs) Awesome. All right, all right, all right. So, our new new segment, Trelawney Prediction Watch. So here's how this is going to go. I'm going to start a document where I write down every prediction that Trelawney makes. They proposed on which please that everything that she predicts comes true. I don't know if that's true or not. We will be investigating either way. We're going to read the ones that she said in this chapter. We're going to be watching for them to happen. So here's what we got that Neville's gran is sick that parvati needs to beware a red-haired man that everyone will get the flu in february which is not the best prediction in terms of uh impressiveness uh that someone will leave forever at easter we already know that that one is true hermione's gonna peace out Mm -hmm. that lavender's fear will come true on october 16th that harry will die and then two about neville that i would like to talk about because i think (laughs) that they are bullying uh she tells him that he's going to break a cup and that he's going to be late for the next session both of which are things that she makes true by speaking them out loud by being a giant fucking bully to a very sensitive and vulnerable student that's rude
0: Which, as fucked up as this sounds, also leads credence to the Trelawney and Snape are friends. That is some shit that Snape would also do.
1: And he would have told her, so she would have known that he was easy prey for something, like, impressive, right?
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: that kid. Like, if I tell him he's gonna break a cup, he'll for sure break a cup, and then everyone will think I'm legit. That's so rude. I really don't like it.
0: Which also... Just magically fix the cup. Why do you have a broom and a dustpan? She's not a very good witch. Hermione could have done it in like two seconds. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, not that she would have because she hates Trelawney, but she'd have been like, yeah, clean that shit up. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Alright, do you anything else on her before we move into the rest of education?
0: I do not have anything else on her.
1: Cool, you want to talk about accessibility at Hogwarts?
0: uh i that's actually my second thing after in my notes about how hard both Trelawney and Hagrid's first classes are <laughs> not hard but like not 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 where you should start off with
1: oh you um, mean like for the students in terms of yeah. what they're teaching yeah no they are these are this is not this is not
0: how you do this, but we could talk about. Carmetric creatures shortly, yeah, so do you want to start us off because I have a couple of different things about it literally, how ridiculous it
1: says stairs ladders perfume exclamation mark so this this is my list of accessibility issues that we run into in this chapter. which would you like to talk about first uh
0: I have a couple other things I also have well yeah, the stairs and the ladders. Let's talk about that first, actually. So, if Ron, who, as far as we know, is a, like, healthy, well-fed kid who, like, doesn't have mobility problems and doesn't have asthma, is like, I'm fucked up doing all this shit. Let's, like, is winded. Like, anyone else is going to fucking pass out. I would have passed out, like, four staircases ago. Mm -hmm. And to do this, like, every week, twice a week for a fucking school year... Like, poor Kias. Like, just... There's a fireplace in her classroom. Just flew into her classroom.
1: Slash... I don't know if we know this yet, but Dumbledore's office has an escalator.
0: That is true. Put in a fucking escalator. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. I mean, it's just... It's also just ridiculous in general that they get lost trying to find this classroom. I'm like, put up some fucking signs. (laughs) An arrow. Put an arrow. Make a lit up blah blah like, you're fucking magic, like, something.
1: Yeah, that moment when Hermione's, like, that way, and Ron is like, no, that's south. I can see the lake. That moment gave me anxiety because I, if anyone knows if there's a term for what I'm about to describe, will you please email us? Because I would really like to know, like, what this is. But, like, to say that I have no sense of direction is an understatement. Like, I... In a house with more than one floor, do not know what room is above or below me unless I imagine the view out the window of that room. Like, I have, I have to, like, memorize landmarks to be able to, like, get back to the room I left in a doctor's office if I leave to go to the bathroom. I will never be able to make it back out unless someone, like, points me down the correct hallway. I've less than no sense of direction. And so, like, to be in the fucking Hogwarts castle with no map, no signs, no idea where anything is, and to have to rely on things like the lake is south and I can see it out the window and we're trying to go north, it's like... I would have missed my first day of divination. Like... I, I, I there's nothing that could ever possibly make it so that I would understand that the wake is south.
0: I feel like it's like a spatial awareness thing, something about like how you can envision like stuff in relation to other stuff. I, I don't know if that's the exact like the term though for what you're describing, but someone should definitely write into us. Yes, but. please. It's even like un- even because even like the landmarks to find things are unclear if it's like. I mean, if the there's a portrait... Move. The staircases move. The move. The portraits leave their portraits. Yeah. I mean, thank God that, like, Ron is aware that the lake is south. Yeah. Good on him for having a good sense of direction. And the worst part is, is that, like, they don't even learn the spell, the, like, the compass spell until, like, next year.
1: And only because Hermione finds it and thinks to teach it to them.
0: Yeah. Also, yes. Like... If they're not going to have signs, at least teach all the kids the fucking point me spell. Especially the first because day. it's so straightforward.
1: It's the only spell that's in English.
0: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Maybe it's like a new spell. Like, you know, like Hermione, like, ordered a new book or something or whatever. And it's like, oh, this is from, like, two years ago. Someone just, like, fucking point me. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Trelawney's classroom, like, stairs stairs are rough there there are potential workarounds for stairs ladders on the other hand her classroom is completely inaccessible that's crap also it's a fire hazard
0: i feel like she does it on purpose so she could just be like i'm just hold up here the top the very top of the north tower like She doesn't want to be found. No, she doesn't. She doesn't want want anyone to easily just, like, come into her classroom and, like, be like, oh, Professor Trelawney, like, I just pop by for a chat or ask some questions. It's like, no, you have to seek her out.
1: But, like, here's an idea where teachers' classrooms and their, like, quarters where they live are different places. Wild idea. I know. I don't mean to, like, throw everybody off, but, like, that could still be where she lived and she could teach somewhere that kids could get more easily
0: yeah it is it's bullshit it's such bullshit
1: so my last thing is like the perfumed fire in her uh her classroom which is also like a serious um accessibility issue things with strong smells trigger migraines asthma all sorts of shit for people so many issues don't Don't have a perfumed fire in your classroom. That's, like,
0: really rude. And, like, the windows are closed and it's, like, hot and stuffy already. It's, like,
1: ugh. Her classroom sounds so terrible to be in.
0: Yeah, nothing nothing about that sounds great or conductive to learning. No.
1: Care of Magical Creatures. I would like Hagrid to say that you can't insult a hippogriff More than one time before inviting children to interact with a hippogriff. Yeah. Potentially like five times.
0: Or maybe even that thing where it's like, I want y'all to repeat it back to me that you don't insult the hippogriffs or they will claw the fuck out of you.
1: Yeah. And what happens if we insult a hippogriff children? They slash us with their talons
0: with their six, their six inch long talons right. that are probably like the width of your wrist. Like, d- like don't. Right, you
1: really need to drive that home before you let the, the children in the paddock with yeah. the hypocrites.
0: Yeah. Also, they're beautiful. They're not ugly, Malfoy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But yes, you're right. You should, that should have been like really emphasized not to it insult the hippogriffs
1: yeah i feel like honestly malfoy intended for that dig to be like for hagrid and harry and not so much because he didn't believe that the hippogriff was beautiful
0: yeah so hippogriffs seem uh really hard a thing for people who have not taken any care magical creatures classes Mm -hmm. they couldn't read the book that she recommended because no one could open it Mm -hmm. so they couldn't even look in the book and be like oh hippogriffs Big block letters. Don't insult them. Okay, great.
1: In in my book when I was taking my notes and Hagrid's like, great, Harry, go ahead and climb on. Like, go for a ride on this. (laughs) Hagrid, no. Like, that's not... That is not a day one thing. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. Yeah, so... So many reasons why that's a
0: terrible idea.
1: (laughs) And also, so it just becomes so much worse in my mind when I think about the fact that Hagrid is not a fully qualified witch. Like if Harry fell off the hippogriff, she can't perform a cushioning charm to make sure that he doesn't die. Harry would, would just die. So like, I kind of feel like Hagrid needs an assistant who can do magic.
0: Yeah. I mean, in reality, some many teachers could use TAs, but Hagrid especially needs a TA. Yeah. If nothing else, to have another adult supervising however many kids around all of these dangerous hippogriffs.
1: Right, why is Care of Magical Creatures a class that has two groups? There's only the eight of them in divination but there's like 16 kids and care of magical creatures that is not logic
0: yeah i don't know i don't i don't understand again how many kids are at hogwarts so i don't understand anything about the class sizes <laughs> also i just want so i i also so on top of don't let the kids on the hippogriffs uh i just want to talk about how it's really not a good idea to ride a horse bareback if you don't know how to ride a horse. (laughs) Like, good thing Harry stayed on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Not that a hippogriff would ever let someone put a saddle on them.
0: Oh, I mean, no. They, no. I mean, you would only need to ride a hippogriff bareback. But, uh, so I'm not a horse person. I don't know a whole lot about horses. This is, from what I've read on the internet, but it seems like riding, the skills you need to ride a horse bareback is slightly different than the skills that you need. Like the physical way that you're riding it is different than the physical way that you ride on a horse when you're in a saddle. And Harry's never been on a horse, let alone a flying horse. And it's just like, all right, you're, you've, you've been on a broom. It's the same. It's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> As Harry points out very quickly. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, Hagrid and Trelawney are both not qualified to teach.
0: Yeah. Not nah, not in the slightest.
1: Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. I almost forgot what we did in Editorials, because it's been so long since we recorded. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah. was like, what do we do here? My Editorials are all kind of questions, but... Hermione's really rude to Trelawney. And my question is, like, what do we think about this? Like, where do we land on Hermione's attitude towards Trelawney?
0: I guess I have a few thoughts about that. As funny as, like, Hermione giving zero fucks, it is pretty rude because it seems like Trelawney probably gets that a lot. Of people being like, divinations, you know? Yeah. And this, I feel like she, like, plays it pretty cool about it. Like, I mean, Terlani gets some digs back, in a way, at Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's out of character for her, but it is a little shocking. Like, just from jump, she's just like, oh, no, fuck this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I guess, like, and then, like, the the second piece of that for me is, like, what do we think of Hermione's dismissal of divination generally because i don't i don't think i like it
0: i i think it actually fits into her character and it kind of it reminds me a lot about the way hermione dismisses things in the quibbler um in which hermione is like a hard facts hard science kind of girl and divinate i mean Hard science in quotation marks as much as you can in a literal magic world. Mm. And I feel like she doesn't give. She's like one of those people who it's like, this doesn't logically make sense, so therefore it's bullshit. <sighs> and it does seem weird because, like, Hermione is normally really good at, like, I mean, she's very, like, empathetic and she's good at, like, feelings, but, like, she can't make the step to. Believe in a thing that isn't concrete, that doesn't have concrete evidence behind it.
1: So it's uh, uh, kind of like she's running her experience in the magical world through a translator to her experience pre Hogwarts, where it's like potions is chemistry. Like it's not chemistry that I can understand in the same way that I could under like that I understood chemistry in the muggle world, but like it's still something reacting with something else to create a result and like transfiguration is math question mark and like etc so she's sort of like okay i understand how like a leads to b in all these other classes whereas because it just seems like divination is real right even if Trelawney is kind of a joke Divination is legit, right? And and Hermione should know that from reading. There should be things in a lot of the history books that she reads that say that like something was divined, something was prophesized, you know? And why would she not accept <sighs> that as true? I don't know.
0: I mean, I think so i don't i don't know if she's necessarily filtering all of her classes through like this is like science as much as i think that she's the kind of person who has the kind of mind that's like oh i need like hard facts and i think if her i think if her hadn't been a witch she might have gone into like the sciences i mean obviously with a more sort of like you know leftist progressive bent but she would have i mean she would have killed in, in in any of the sciences and so and and but here's the thing that even i think the the books themselves put into question about prophecies is does hearing a prophecy means that you have to like it's like self-fulfilling is that if you didn't hear it or know about it it wouldn't happen mm. because if like voldemort hadn't heard fucking half of the prophecy about him and Harry like he wouldn't have gone and tried to kill Harry and he wouldn't have you know created the instrument of his downfall right you know so so I think that I can see how Hermione would be like these aren't true because hearing it makes them true as opposed to being like I don't know It. It, it is bewildering because I feel like this is the part about Hermione's character that I have never associated with because I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, ghosts, aliens, weird shit like that. I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's weird for me to be like, but Hermione, you, you're a witch in a magical world. Why don't you believe in shit that like people don't know about? Like, that doesn't mean it's not real. Right. Like magic. You're in a magic right. world. <laughs> So, yeah,
1: I guess uh, I, uh, the other thing is that like prophecy is only part of divination, right? Like, that's just true. I don't know. Yeah. I, mm, I, I think that you're right. And I think that the question about like, do prophecies that no one hears besides the person prophesizing and the person who hears it? do those ever come true is a really good question I do want to say that I feel like this is a really a thing that you know how there are a lot of things that when Rainbow Rowell wrote Carry On she just like really fixed some flaws in Harry Potter and this is one of them um I think the line in Carry On is uh Simon is saying that when he first got to Watford, he didn't believe in portents and Penny, who is the Hermione character of carry on tells him that not believing in portents is not, is like not believing in beans on toast where it's just like, you're in a fucking magical world. Of course, portents are real. Like of course he, and he, uh, I think also he's like, I thought the veil thinning was a myth. And she's like, why would you think that? Like, look around, look where you are of course this is a real thing and I I like sort of this like character development that we get with Hermione and like her sort of like leaning into her own agency that happens as a result of her dismissal of divination but also I I feel like it might just like be inaccurate to her character. And I will say that our listener who I was talking with about reading Hermione as autistic brought this up specifically as something that could be an autism trait or like Hermione being autistic, like playing out is like, she didn't factor in divination initially and therefore is like, just not, there just isn't room for it. She's just not going to like go there. But I think the question that it raises for me is that like Hermione's thing, her passion, her single focus is the magical world. And like, mysticism and all of this is a piece of that so like why why is there this block for her
0: i feel like i feel like hermione needs logic for her worldview is what i think Mm. and i think that divination and like strange creatures or whatever in the quibbler like aren't logical and thus and like she just for whatever reason for maybe a variety of reasons is just like that's just not a place that just doesn't have a place in her thinking and in her life Mm -hmm. and i feel like i've met people like that it's like it's sort of like not having that sense of like wonder and like whimsy and just kind of being like yeah bring it maybe yeah possibly like like you know Cause I feel like there are some things that Hermione is inflexible on. Mm. I guess I just keep thinking back to like the first book when Hermione is like, Oh, Snape has a logic puzzle because witches just don't have logic. <laughs> <laughs> and so she is like, I'm going to come to this fucking school and I'm going to be the, w- I'm going to be the witch that has logic mm-hmm. be- because none of y'all. And it, and it, cause it's in this chapter when it's like, everyone's like, oh, fuck the Grimm. And she's like, are y'all fucking kidding me? <laughs> and to be honest, even with the Grim stuff, I, I actually have a question about this uh, that we'll talk about at some point in this editorial. But it's sort of like, I think maybe Hermione is maybe viewing like the stuff with the Grim as like, y'all are just you Like as a superstition, which is like, which Hermione's like, that's not logical. That's just like shit people believe. That's like not real. Right. You know, even though it's like, you live in a magical world, like why wouldn't this shit be possible? <laughs> right, and
1: like especially because like one of her two best friends is like, no, like my uncle died after seeing a grim, and and she's just like coincidence, just like totally brushes it off, not not even and this is before ron says the mean thing to her about not liking being bad at something right so like she this is something that could potentially be like a really big thing for ron like and she just is like whatever and i don't know she usually is like pretty in touch with like people the emotions of people around her and so for her to just be like so dismissive of ron being like look i grew up in this world i'm telling you that this thing is real and she's just like fine then it he was so scared that he died from the idea of the superstition just like if we're leaning into logic here like that's not a way that people die
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it is very bewildering i think and
1: I and I think, so, like, my only other thing that I have here in editorials is, like, a extension of this, which is, like, what do we think that J.K. Rowling thinks of divination based on what we see of it here? And maybe this is something we should revisit later in a potentially shorter chapter, because we've been going for a really long time. Maybe we can just keep an eye out for for this as we move forward
0: i yeah i think i think we should keep kind of keep an eye on like kind of like the overall question about how prophecy plays out in these series and like how how it works and sort of like you know free will versus like a set fate you know set destiny kind of stuff which i mean actually comes up at the end of this book so i guess we'll talk about that when we get to that chapter about like harry's like oh i should have fucking killed let Sirius kill Predigrew and now it's like I've done this thing and it's... actually this is sort of related is the way that grims are described I'm actually not I'm actually wonder I actually have a question if grims as an almond of death are an actual thing or if they're just like a witching world superstition I'm gonna read
1: you some stuff on
0: Wikipedia when we get to health and science I actually have a lot of <laughs> probably very similar stuff actually because i feel like because we i mean so we, so we talked a while about hermione and this actually feeds into my ma- next point about even mcgonagall's like divination is an imprecise branch of magic like charlaine always is like predicts someone's death at the beginning of class which is fucked up you should not freak out your students like <laughs> and predict what going to spending
1: so much time with snape <laughs>
0: Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and so yeah, I mean cuz obviously like Harry you know got this dog shape in his tea leaves and like you know we think that he's seeing a death omen but it's really just serious. Right. You know, which I 110% believe that serious was totally pranking people thinking that they saw a Grimm and being like LOL totally oh you saw a big black dog you're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just like just like the reaction of like all of all of the students in divination class is sort of like I mean we don't get any additional evidence in the book that like Grimm's like Grimm as death omens are real or that death omens in general are real so I think for, for me at least puts into question if this is like a witching superstition that occasionally happens because weird deaths happen in the witching world all the time. Huh. I mean,
1: I feel like I would say reading a grim in someone's tea leaves is not... Like, because we just saw a dog in your tea leaves, right? And And yeah. like, it's a sign of like a faithful friend. A dog showed up in Harry's tea leaves serious fucking faithful friend the faithfulest so like it shouldn't be a literal dog that we interpret as the grim in someone's tea leaves it should show up as something else if it's showing up in there at all so i would say Trelawney is using some sort of some like uh creative liberties or something like that to just like find her moment to predict someone's death and like of everyone's death to predict Harry's is the most likely. So just roll with it. Um, but I th-
0: also, you you know, she wants to troll her BFFs most hated. Yeah, stuff.
1: absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's who she really goes for, right? Is Neville, Harry and Hermione. So we are really accumulating some evidence that she and Snape are best. Yeah. <laughs> Love it um but i i think that ron's right like i think that his weird uncle Billius like saw grim and died like i think i i think that they're real but i don't think that it's a real thing that you can like read in in tea leaves i guess is my answer to this
0: i do like that so i have one more thing which is less of a question is more from speculation about mcgonagall Uh, Who I mentioned before is also a hard science kind of person where she's like, I like the tangible magics, like transfiguring one thing into another thing, which is already like, all right, McGonagall. Okay. (laughs) And then I was just like thinking if like McGonagall was like just a regular lady that she would be teaching like a science, like physics or something or organic chemistry. I don't know. And she would be all right about, like, yes, a firm, solid, you know, thing that people can do. Yeah. Yeah. So. I,
1: mm, now I'm not remembering. Science was taught differently in my high school than I think at other people's high schools, so now I can't. Never mind. My sentence doesn't have an end to it.
0: <laughs> uh. I, don't know. I just I just like to imagine like McGonagall like teaching a like not magical high school. Yeah, totally. That's I funny. mean,
1: I think that she would be a great a great uh, high school science teacher, sort of like right,
0: or 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 math too. So
1: honestly, maybe more math.
0: I mean, I assume divination must have some weird math. I mean, divination, transfiguration must have some weird math involved. Definitely,
1: yeah. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science. Sounds like we're going to start with Grimm's. We sure you are. You go ahead and go first.
0: Well, no, you sh- you, sh- you should go first.
1: I'm just going to read to you from Wikipedia. That's not exciting. You go ahead and go first. All right.
0: All right. I have So I have some... Mine is highlights from Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, So the Grimm, and, or the Black Dog, is an actual folklore thing that... It seems to be for the most parts of the world it's either like a ghost or some kind of like demon or demonic presence depending on the country. Um, England has a fuck ton of them. Like, for whatever reason. (laughs) Like, it seems like every region of the UK has a weird black dog superstition of some kind. But weirdly enough, the one that Trelawney mentions, the Church Grim, they're protectors. They're protectors. But... It says in the Wikipedia page that they protect churches and churchyards from devils and robbers, but also witches. So it makes sense that as a witch, they see Excellent reading
1: skills, (laughs) Jesse. Holy (laughs) crap. Good job, bud. (laughs) So like something that in human mythology is a protector, absolutely in which mythology or reality if this is something that muggles basically like manifested to protect their churchyards from their idea of witches would be something that would harm witches i am uh, my mouth is agape people who are not visually (laughs) watching this
0: that is you have so many points for gryffindor right now (laughs) I don't I also have a fun fact from Wikipedia, but I don't know if you're gonna read it or not. No, go for it. Right. I mean we're just
1: we're gonna go with your highlights and not me just like reading from Wikipedia because that's boring.
0: Um is that according to Wikipedia in Lanshire, England, one of the names for this ghost dog is Padfoot.
1: Oh JK Rowling doing the Wikipedia deep dives.
0: <laughs> yeah, she Wikipedia she did her research this for this yet. chapter and I I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, that's good. I was going to actually, I wanted to say that I, I don't like the part where, so they thought that the first person to be buried in a churchyard had to haunt it to protect it. And so they would bury a black dog before they buried any people in it. And I feel like that means that they were going out and like killing black dogs to be churchyard protectors. and That makes me sad.
0: Yeah, I don't want that either. I no, don't, I don't approve no no but it and i don't actually know if this is like just a thing that people say or if there's like actual statistics about black dogs being adopted the least amount i heard like that black it's cats. a myth i think i think that is the myth with cats too yeah.
1: all right uh do you want to talk about hippogriffs
0: i do
1: I have so much to say about hippogriffs. Do you have stuff to say about hippogriffs?
0: I I have I honestly only have a couple things to say about hippogriffs. Surprising. Okay, why don't
1: you go first?
0: All right. So, IRL mythical beasts um originating on Wikipedia at least from uh ancient Roman writers.
1: By IRL, do you mean outside of Harry Potter?
0: Outside of Harry Potter, yes. Okay. <laughs> JKR did not invent hippogriffs; they were already yes. a, mytholo- a mythological animal. Okay, so again, I'm not a horse person. I, I like wasn't really a horse person as a young child, so I'm like new to like being interested in horses. But the way that the color, the way that the colors of horses is described, is so fascinating to me. Because it's really just its own language of like how to describe a red horse and a grey horse. It's like I kind of love it because there's just so many like beautiful, ridiculous words, which we actually end up getting in this chapter. Like one of the hippogriffs is dappled, one of the hippogriffs is a pinkish roan, which means so roan is when the legs and the tail and the mane of a horse is a darker color than its torso. Huh. And actually there is an actual color called strawberry roan, which is a sort of reddishy color. So uh, Buckbeak is a gray hippogriff. So he could be gray roan. He could be dappled, so like speckly. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently in actual IRL horses that, if you're just like a truly gray horse, that the horses might be, like, dark gray or almost look black. But then a gray horse, as they get older, the gray fades. And so they just get lighter and lighter. And an older like a horse that might be, like, almost black when it's, like, one or two will be, like, almost white as it gets older. And it's, like, real weird, but also kind of cool. People
1: do that. So do dogs. Why is that weird?
0: But, like, other horse colors don't. Other horses, they stay... Other horses don't go gray. I mean, on their faces and muzzles, they get lighter. But, like, this is uh, all over. This is the entire coat of the horse gets lighter That is lighter very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I found, a, I found a website of weird horse genetics. To am like, cool, I don't actually care about any of that. <laughs> That's too much. But it's really cool. And so it's just fun to imagine, like, what kind of gray Buckbeak is. Mm-hmm. But also, like, is the front part of Buckbeak also, like, the same like, kind Like, do of the gray? feathers
1: match the the fur? <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> also, not a euphemism. <laughs> oh, lord. <sighs> 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 <sighs>
1: <sighs> <sighs> That's a very good question.
0: I'm I'm actually genuinely interested. Yeah. Because it's not like bald eagle in front, horse in the back. It's probably like a s- seamless color. I would hope. You know, so it's yeah, and because horses come in a variety of weird colors and designs and like whatever. Um Anyway, point us to any cool Buckbeak fan art, you guys. Um, I bet I, there's a lot. I do reject. I mean, for the record, Buckbeak is probably the in the movies the better looking CGI animals, but in general, I just reject the aesthetic, the visual aesthetic of the movies in general. Yes.
1: So I have a lot of science for us now. Are we ready?
0: Yes. I mean, I just gave you a whole thing about the horse color. So I'm ready.
1: (laughs) So some hippogriff specific.
0: Yes. One
1: look. Okay. We've been, we've been called out for like nitpicking things that shouldn't be nitpicked. I don't care. Uh, I feel like this is an important thing that one should research when writing about a hippogriff, which is that. Buckbeak is described as looking at Harry with one fierce orange eye, but as we have discussed on this podcast previously, predators have front-facing eyes. Buckbeak would be looking straight on at Harry like he's a bird, but he's not a prey bird. He's an eagle bird. His eyes are in the front. That's annoying. Mm. The rest of this has nothing to do with the Harry Potter books, specifically, Hippogriffs, this is about hippogriffs generally. One birds don't really walk, so how do these creatures' front legs work because their front legs are eagle legs? Are they like doing the weird bird wobble?
0: You know, I feel so she doesn't actually say, but there's a line when Harry land when Buckbeat lands, where it's sort of like a weird, like unstable sort of landing. Because right, the legs don't match in the way that, like, a horse hoof and a bird claw, like, hit the ground. It's yeah. totally different.
1: So different. Yeah, birds hop, right? When they have to move, they hop. Yeah. Or when they have to be on the ground. Yeah. And horses trot. So I just really don't understand how hippogriff.
0: Yeah, and like it's pretty well known that when a horse is running. I mean, horses trot different, but like when they're running, all four of their hooves are off the ground. Like there's a, I think one of the like first movies is a really old movie of like a horse running. Hmm. So you can see sort of beautiful, but also very strange mechanics of how horses move. I'm going to find that video and we can post it in the show notes. Yeah, it's like...
1: Yeah, because, like, what does it look like when a hippogriff gallops? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Can they even do that physically?
0: They probably can't.
1: So then how does, like, the horse half not just, like, atrophy? You know, from lack of...
0: I mean, if I were to guess, I would say that they must push off the ground with the horse half. Like the horse half sort of shoves them up. Okay, if, does that? I don't know. If that it makes totally sense. does. Yeah. I, I mean, as, not really laughing how even birds take off, but.
1: So so she writes, uh, "Buckbeak as having a twenty-four foot wingspan, uh, which actually is overcompensating." Uh, I I played with a ratio calculator <laughs> okay. online. He would only, his wings would only need to be 18 feet for the average length body of a horse. So, 18 feet of wings for eight feet of horse would be sufficient as far as like eagle body length to wingspan goes. Um, However, if we are doing this by weight, a 13 pound eagle has a seven-and-a-half-foot wingspan. The smallest of horses are around a 1,000 pounds, which means that each of Buckbeak's wings to lift a 1,000 pounds would need to be 288 <laughs> feet long.
0: <laughs> oh, no!
1: <laughs> which brings me to my question, are hippogriff bones hollow? Like, are the bones in the horse half hollow like bird bones
0: i guess they would need to be but then it's like how they support the weight and the muscles of the horse half right maybe maybe hippogriffs are really skinny like maybe they're like not as fat like width wise as a horse like maybe they're like more narrow
1: yeah or they have hollow bones and like I don't know, weirdly porous muscles or something like that in the in the horse half, because otherwise, those are not creatures that can fly.
0: I mean, I guess I guess this is where the magic comes in, because yeah, like they shouldn't work at all, you know.
1: Six hundred foot <laughs> wingspan <laughs> for an eight foot long horse. How many, <laughs> how many
0: blocks is that? Like
1: that's really far. Oh
0: my god
1: yeah well that's all i have
0: that's hilarious yeah hippogriffs are way weird
1: yeah they like what a weird invention and i know that like greek mythology is full of bizarre creature hybrids but hippogriffs are really weird
0: yeah uh actually i would i would encourage everyone to read the wikipedia article about the store about one of the stories that like hippogriffs show up in because it's some like really old weird french story that seems i mean it reads it's kind of like it reads sort of like a weird fantasy story because it's like full of magic and really improbable things and people having like magical like weapons and shit and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) what is this weird ass shit from like the 14th century or something
1: Old French fairy tales are bizarre. They're great.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's a real weird, I would really encourage you to read that.
1: Welcome to Corrections, where we correct stuff. If Hermione has the option to be taking one of three different classes, all of which she is taking, why are all of the Gryffindors in divination and then all of them in care of magical creatures. Hmm. Like literally they all chose the same ones as Harry and Ron, and then Hermione's the is she then the only Gryffindor in Arithmancy and Muggle Studies? Yes. She must be. That's weird. Yeah. Because these are electives. Like, what's going on?
0: I mean, did they? They did they say specifically that divination is all Gryffindors?
1: That all the Gryffindors are there?
0: No, that the that the class is just solely made up of Gryffindors.
1: I mean, we don't see anyone who's not a Gryffindor there, but also we see Lavender and Parvati and Dean and Seamus. So, like, none of them are, except Hermione, are also in Arithmancy or Muggle Studies.
0: But aren't there, like, 15 kids in...
1: Harry's class?
0: No, in the Transfiguration. I mean, they just... I don't know. I don't know where I got that number from. No. No, you're probably right about the math just being off.
1: I mean, just some of those kids should not be taking the same classes as Ron and Harry, it just is like such a weird oversight to be like like just not write neville being in divination right let him be in arithmancy that his gran would totally bully him into taking instead of divination yeah right yeah so that's a big correction my other correction is a very small correction which is shouldn't the scarves in trelawney's classroom be on fire <laughs> <laughs> I think if you put a scarf over like an oil lamp, it lights on fire. Pretty sure.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it totally would catch on fire.
1: Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. You can find us on the internet at thegailyprophet.com, at patreon.com/ thegailyprophet, or on social media. On Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TheGailyProphet.
0: Leave us a five-star review. That'd be rad. Support us on Patreon if you're able. You should
1: also tell all your friends about our podcast because that's fun and we appreciate it. You can also buy our merch.
0: If you want to know what I'm up to in between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Detroit. Or on Instagram at Live from Detroit.
1: You can find me in between episodes on my website, which is LarkMalakai.com, L A R K M A L A K A I.com, or on Instagram at larkmalachi or at Radical Healer.
0: Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sauer. Our theme music and the music under our spoiler warning is by Kevin McLeod. Our logo art is by. Theo Julian Forrester, who also draws awesome comics uh, for every chapter episode, so go to one of our social channels or our website to look at them, and you should.
1: Yep, and until next time.
0: Nave, Rowan, Crinoline, Saddle.
1: Queers Next Door is a podcast hosted by sex coach Lee and Megan Ashley. We take the topics you care about—sex, feminism, kink, social justice, and entertainment—and look at them through a queer as fuck lens. We also talk honestly about self-care, mental health, and our experiences as polyamorous queers trying to date in Southern California. Listen, rate, review, and subscribe to Queers Next Door wherever podcasts are found, and follow us at Queers Next Door on all the socials. Cheers, Cheers. queers!